What's up, you guys? I'm your host, Michael Swoboda, and this is the Average Alaskan Podcast, the show where we cover the good, the bad, and the ugly of Alaskan outdoors and life in Alaska. Joined, like always, by the great, the powerful, the one and only Mr. Sean Love. What's up, guys? We got another episode for y'all. We're going to keep this one short. Not too short, but shorter than normal because we've got a special extra episode for you guys this week because it's draw season. It's freaking draw season. Beep, 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 beep. Draw results come out this Friday. Super stoked. Hope all of y'all out there are just as, just as excited as the two of us. Um, we're pretty amped up. And even with all that excitement, we're going to personally control ourselves and not look until we get on the air with you guys. We're going to go live. We're going to record an extra special episode for you guys. It's going to be fun, a little more interactive. It's going to be it's going to be a good time. And we're going to stay off of the internet, not look, not open any texts, nothing till we get on the air with you guys to share that special moment with you all. So we're super stoked for that, but we do have some preparation for that coming up after we get off the air with this. So we're going to keep this one probably around the hour mark for you guys. Uh, so I hope y'all enjoy. We're going to cover a couple different topics, uh, but man, we're just, I'm just, at least I am. I'm freaking stoked Dude, I'm to juiced. find out I didn't draw anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another year. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Another 150 bucks I donated. <laughs> one goat tag. <laughs> Please. Just one, one goat tag. No, it's gonna be it's gonna be sweet. I think uh, I think what we're gonna do since we're already on the topic, uh, wanted to talk a little bit about the draws since it is on the top of our mind and hopefully y'all's because it's coming up uh, to just help inform anybody that hasn't ever applied for Alaska draw tags or anybody out of state that's looking to uh, in the future plan a trip and just give a little bit of insight on how our Alaska draw system works and kind of. There's not really any way to game the system up here with it, so it's a 100% lottery. Um, but we're going to do our best to help y'all be more successful with that. So I wanted to start off by explaining the Alaska draw system. Uh, like I just mentioned, it is a 100% lottery system. Uh, most states, uh, at least most states people are familiar with, work on a preference point system or a bonus point system where you're putting in... Every year, you're applying for uh, a tag or points, and basically every year you apply. If you don't draw anything, you get a preference point. Most most tags, there are some tags that you can draw with sub the amount of points you need, but basically what it comes down to nowadays, certain tags will have a certain point allotment. If you have that point allotment, that gives you the highest odds to get that tag. Um, so say like a popular state, Colorado, you get a prime unit for mule deer. It'll probably cost you 12 to 16 points. Uh, I'm pretty sure for Colorado max points, something like 26, 28. Um, and there's a lot of units where, or in a lot of tags where you're going to need max points to draw. Uh, but Alaska is not that way, which some people hate. A lot of people love personally. I'm a big fan of it because with the point system, if you don't start, super young you're kind of hosed a lot of this a lot of the states it's gotten to the point where it's a common term uh point creep stuff like that to where you know you might have been saving up points your whole life you got 26 points for a you know say a rocky mountain bighorn 
And historically, those tags have been drawn with 26 points. But now, all of a sudden, there's a bunch of people that have been sitting on the sideline just accruing points. And then they jump into the pool with 28 or something. And then, all of a sudden, all those tags are going to people with 28 points. You need a little more. It's it's kind of it turns into a keeping up with the Joneses. If you miss a year, you could be hosed for the rest of your life for certain tags. Um, and up here, it's just 100% luck of the draw lottery um every tag has a percentage um of success so say your most coveted tag something like a toke or delta uh doll sheep tag might be under one percent uh muskox bison uh certain uh brown bear hunts they're going to be in that like one percent range which doesn't sound too great but you know that's that's what it is um, there are a lot of other tags, like I know uh, a couple of the goat tags me and you both put in for are historically in that 10 to 15% uh, success chance, which is super awesome for us. It's a local hunt, uh, and it's got decent odds. And a lot of people, where their hang-up comes with this system is they feel that it's unfair if they've been in Alaska their whole life. They put in year after year trying to get you know, a muskox tag or a bison tag or a coveted sheep tag, and they never draw it, and somebody's fiancé or wife or little brother or you know, anybody, they, it might be their first year applying, and they pull you know, one of the most coveted tags in the state. And a lot of people have issues with that because they're like, well, they haven't bought, you know, they haven't put into the system. They haven't this, they haven't that. This is blah, blah, blah. But we have every animal in the state of Alaska, you have an over the counter opportunity, at least somewhere in the state, outside of muskox and bison and Roosevelt elk. Um, so a lot of my qualms with that go out the window because if you truly want to hunt that animal so bad, uh, you've got opportunity. You just got to go out and do it. Um, so I think that, that opinion is not dumb. No opinions are dumb. Some opinions are dumb. Some opinions uh, are definitely dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I know. A yeah, I should, I should retract that, <laughs> but I just think it's. I just don't like the way the preference point system set up, and I don't want Alaska to be that way. That's kind of at the end of the day. That's what I. That's but what I like at, about it. At that point, you're playing the game. Here, you don't play the game. You just apply your money, which isn't a lot. I think because for ev- you're allowed to put in for every species up to six times. Yep. So you're allowed like if I, you could put one goat tag. Like I put all of pretty sure i put all of my six entries into one goat unit you can do that or i could have put one entry into six goat different goat tags you play that you know you've got different odds i think each entry is five dollars outside of i think muskox and bison are each 20 something like that something like that but you can pretty much apply for every state in the animal maximum times and it might cost you 250 dollars where most states you have to prepay for your tag so just to apply for, say, an elk tag, it's going to cost you $700 out of pocket. You'll get refunded if you don't draw, or you'll get charged if you do draw. Um, for a lot of people, that's just unattainable, especially, you know, in high school, college, you know, just getting into your career, something like that. Spending, going around and applying in six different states and spending twenty grand, uh, you know, potentially in different tags and stuff, this it's tough. You know, you can max out the credit card, wait till the results come out, stuff like that. It just, 
I don't like the system. And if you don't, like you said, you're playing the game. You're playing the points game. You're probably, you know, most people, I just got my Epic Outdoors magazine uh, the other day. Uh, and that entire magazine is just set up to tell you unit draw percentages, points needed. You know, it's, it turns into an analytics game, um, which some people love because they can put out a spreadsheet, figure out all their points. And then once, you know, after 10 years of applying, you can start, you know, it's almost like a retirement. You can start pulling points and start to do this hunt this year. I'll do that hunt next year. And it is a good way to kind of set yourself up for in 10, 15 years to have the next five years of cool hunts. But there's a lot of shit that can happen in 15 years. You might never, you might never get to use those tags. And for a lot of people, it's by the time you draw those tags, you're going to be out of your prime and it's tough to do a once in a lifetime sheep hunt at 67 when you're probably not in great shape. Yeah. You know, and here it gives everybody a fair shake. You could be 50 years old, just getting into hunting. This is your first year. If you were in a preference point system, you'd be hunting nothing but OTC and maybe the occasional two to four point, you know, unit, which is usually, you know, in theory, lesser quality animals, more pressure, you know, it's not desirable. Exactly. There's great animals on, you know, it's hunting at the end of the day, you can find a trophy anywhere. It's just, you gotta be friggin' lucky. Um, and it just, what I don't like is it keeps people out of the woods for extended periods of time. Like, you know, you could sit on a tag for, you know, sit on points for 17 years and never hunt. A lot of people do. They'll find over the counter opportunities, stuff like that. But a lot of people just will go year after year, not hunting. And they're just you know, building points, building points. And for some people that works great. They're working a career that doesn't allow them time off or, you know, something like that, or just, you know, they're raising a family. They don't really have the time right now, but they still want to accrue their points. So when they do get the time, they can take advantage of it. That's one of the downsides to a lottery system. Cause you might get the best tag in the worst possible time. Cause you kind of just have to put in every year. Cause if you want a 1% tag, you put in ones for it, you're probably not going to get it. So you kind of have to put in for it every year and just kind of hope. And it could happen on a year that you get laid off from your job, something like that. And I know a couple that they drew a bison tag, and that's the year she had a kit. Nope. And she drew it. And they're like, well, I can't do that. <laughs> you nope. can't just go, you know. No, that's stuff. That's me and Jordan were talking about that because I had her put in for uh, one of the bison tags. And she was like, sounds really bad, but kind of hope i don't buy <laughs> don't draw too. that tag they're very expensive i mean because you've got everything that goes into the hunt you know it is any tag up here especially if you're drawing a tag a pretty coveted tag you're gonna you know probably be flying in you're probably going in with a group you're looking at probably five to seven thousand dollars on any tag but you know you can definitely there's plenty like if we draw a goat tag it's gonna cost us Probably zero dollars. Probably, you know, we might get a water taxi. Yeah, thirty five bucks exactly. <laughs> um, but if you if we if Jordan drew a bison tag, we'd be taking, uh, you know, one eighty five or a couple super cub trips. You know, just to get a bison out of the field, that's three super cub trips probably, at least two, and that's not including any people on board. Like it's gonna add up. Shit adds up. Um, so that's definitely one downside, but I like it because it allows opportunity to everybody. You know, yep. you don't have to be in the system since you were 12 years old to reap the benefits of it. Uh, definitely some downsides, but outside of that, 
I think it's a good system. I think it should stay. I can't wait to hear all the bullshit uh, on all the Facebook pages come Friday when everybody, because every year after draws come out. Get rigged. Yeah, yeah, this is bullshit. I didn't draw my Nunavag Island tag. We need to go to a preference point system so I can for sure draw this by the time I'm 83. Like, shut up. Like, I'm sorry. It just. Keep applying. Ex- exactly. Look at the draw. That's the best part. Um, but yeah, no. So that's how our system up here works. 100% lottery. Um, as it goes for applying for tags, like I mentioned earlier, you can apply for every species up to six times, $5 a pop. couple animals are 15 or $20 an application. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a super streamlined system. You sign into ADFNG.gov. Uh, so just the Alaska Fishing Game website. You create a My Alaska account. I think you can even technically do it as a guest, too. Yep. I know you can for buying licenses and stuff, so I'm assuming you can do it for tags. And they make it super simple. You basically you know, go through their list. They've got you enter the species and then the individual unit, which that one can get a little tricky just because it's – all numbers. So basically, yeah, if you were supplement, <clears throat> so you'll get a <clears throat> little supplement in your um, regs, which will give you all the numbers for it. So, like for example, <clears throat> it'll be uh, like DB three fifteen would be yeah. <clears throat> draw brown bear area three fifteen, um, and bears are probably the trickiest ones because there's multiple numbers because a DB three fifteen. Could be, say, I'm just making up uh, location and numbers right now, so don't quote me on any of this, but, you know, Alaska Peninsula, or let's go, oh, shoot, I'm going to blank on the name. Biggest brown bears in the world uh, outside of Kodiak. Um, So right at the tip of the Alaska Peninsula, out by King Salmon, it's an island. I'm going to freaking blank it. Anyways, we'll just say Alaska Peninsula, western coast. Uh, DB 15 would be say the, or DB 315 would be the fall tag. And then DB 215 would be the spring tag. So there's a few, uh, number vari- variations for spring and fall hunts. And on that topic for brown bear, it's the one, if you apply for a spring bear hunt, whether black bear or brown bear, if you draw that hunt, which my dad was lucky enough to draw a very coveted, a fog neck brown bear tag last year. But since it was a spring hunt, they give you 18 months in advance because draws come out in February, hunting seasons, you know, April, May. Don't have time to plan a once in a lifetime trip in that time. So they'll give you an extra uh, year to plan that. If you draw a fall tag, you get it that year. Uh, So all of our caribou, moose, uh, sheep, goat, that type of stuff, you draw it in February, you hunt it that fall. Um, Certain tags do have regulations for the amount of times you can draw them in a time period. So certain sheep and bear tags, as well as I believe uh, certain uh, goat tags as well. If you draw them and you're successful, you cannot draw that for another four years. Like Samantha's cow tag, same way. You oh, really? You can't draw apply for it the next year. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that about the cow tag. Yeah, I believe so. Interesting. Um, but yeah, so there are certain rules like that. It can be, you know, any draw process, there's so much going on to where there are going to be some inconveniences in the system. But in my experience, compared to especially like Colorado, had a college roommate, big time hunter. Shout out DP, love you, great man. Uh, but he was, you know, 
we first met, he's like, you got to start putting in for points in Colorado. You know, you sign up for this season, that, 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 that. And just go, just talking with him about it. It's just overwhelming because they have four different seasons. Then they have, you know, firearm, muzzleloader, archery seasons. They have first season, second season, third season, fourth season. Points on top of that bonus point. I'm just like, I don't want a calculus degree to apply for my day. You know, I'm just like, <laughs> that's a beautiful thing up here. We can hunt anything every year. And then we're like, oh, a special one? Yeah, I'll. Put in some money for that. If I get it, I get it. I don't, I don't. Mm, yeah. I'm going to go hunt it anyways. Our over-the-counter tags are unbelievable. You can hunt just about everything over-the-counter. Yep. Which is really cool. And a lot of the draw tags, 100% success. Or 100% draw. Yeah. I mean, a lot of them. I was kind of impressed. I was just looking at them, and there's lots of them. I mean, sure, they're probably in a fucked-off spot. Some There's one, uh, oh, it's in the head of... I believe it's in the head of Uyak Bay in Kodiak. 100% draw odds for brown bear. It's a real small area, and it's in some bullshit country. Because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, dude, I'll apply for that. I'll hunt some bullshit country for, you know, guaranteed brown bear, you know, Kodiak brown bear tag. And then we were doing a deer hunt over there, and I was like, I don't even know how the fuck I get up there. <laughs> I was like, you know. I was like, you need a helicopter to fucking get into that this area. sucks. Yeah, I was like, maybe not. Maybe that's why only three people applied for it last year. Yeah, but there's a lot of you know, 10% draw odds or 15% draw odds. But there's yeah. also a lot of 1%, mm-hmm. 2%, less than 1%. Yep. And there, those are, you know, all those really good ones, those are pretty much going to be your premier sheep units, your premier brown bear units, mm-hmm. a couple premier moose and caribou units. You know, it's pretty much going to be the cream of the crop of every animal. Yeah. But the beautiful thing of up here is you don't need the cream of the crop for most of your hunts. We, you know, out of our backyard, 55, 60, 70 inch bull moose get killed every year. And those are trophy moose, big time, you know, yeah. like 10 foot bears shot off the Kenai Peninsula. 10 foot, you know, you can find trophy animals everywhere up here. You know, I truly believe like our draw tags aren't important. I don't even look at moose or caribou because if I'm going to do a moose or caribou hunt, I'm just going to do an OTC hunt, figure out the country, learn it, get good at it. You know, it'd be nice to draw a real coveted moose tag or something like that. Any bull tag. Yeah. Yeah. There's some benefits to that. You know, you get an any sex tag or in any bull tag or you know there's certain benefits to that but it's the same reason you know there's only i think there's maybe five to ten archery tags that you can get in the like there's no there's there's really not a game to like there's no way to get ahead of the curve up here you know most states if you archery hunt you'll draw a tag in a quarter of the time huge benefit that's the only reason i really still shoot my bow i want to get back into bow hunting up here but i just stay proficient with it so i can go to a different state and have better odds when i go there's there. just not a huge benefit here <laughs> no there's not and same with muzzle loader you know there's a few areas that have specific tags some of the military bases mm. have you know muzzle loader moose any bull you can get stuff like that yeah i'm not interested if i'm gonna travel that far you know there's just we have so much opportunity up here with that it's just not I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze for chasing certain tags. Mm-hmm. Definitely, if you want, you know, what I consider like a golden ticket tag, which would be a Kodiak brown bear, a toke sheep, uh, a good one, Prince of Wales Island black bear. Mm-hmm. I think those would be the only three 
golden ticket tags to me at least because the rest and an, a fog neck elk just because there's no otc elk opportunities yep. and i get i shouldn't say muskox bison all your kind of specialty animals yeah. but other than that because we have the opportunity to hunt everything else anyways and you have in my opinion just as likely odds to kill a monster yep. anywhere in the state that's a big reason why i apply for mostly local hunts because I mean, it would just give me an advantage locally. Yeah. That's about it. Because the thing is, if you drew kind of a coveted, say, moose hunt in outside the Talkeetnas or something, Mm -hmm. uh, all you're doing is traveling to hunt that unit. You don't know it any better. It's not really increasing your odds. There might be some dandy bulls in there. There's dandy bulls in our backyard. It's also like six hours away. Yeah, it just... I don't know. There's definitely benefits to the areas that have higher populations, Fairbanks, Anchorage. There's some tag. Those local tags, you have to draw. But that's just because there's a lot of people there. You can't OTC hunt it. It just, you know. But the rest of the state, I think it's just worth hunting your backyard. Getting good and proficient at what you're hunting. You know, because I wouldn't even, because like here, we don't have many caribou. We don't have a big caribou population. I wouldn't say I'm a crazy good caribou hunter. And I, it's kind of a weird one because there's no real, like, they're a migration animal. So, so there's not really, like, you can't call a caribou. You can't, you know, there's not. Exactly. <laughs> Old caribou call, baby. Um, but all I would be doing is forcing my hand to go somewhere I've never been and learning that area. When I can go to an OTC area and go learn that area and still be successful. Oh. So forgot i was gonna tie something into that but um but so that's basically our our draw system up here you put in all six of them and the beautiful thing up here we applied deadlines what december 15th something like like 21st something like that end of december you get you hear back by february pretty cool yeah super nice especially when you're playing fall hunts yeah because you get it back you're like all right let's figure it out we got six months to start you know whether it's training booking flights doing all that it's just that's it's nice having that heads up plus there's nothing going on in february here you know there's some ice fishing but it's still a ways away from spring bear and it just gives us a nice little you know upper in the tailing ends of winter yeah Yeah. because our uh yeah our faux spring is officially gone yeah it was (laughs) cold all day today it was cold and we got a fresh like six inches of snow last night at least up here on the hill East End didn't get much. <laughs> it was like my dad called. He had one of his uh, plow guys no showed on him, and um, they didn't even send out the crew till like nine o'clock this morning because there was like one inch out east, and then Skyline had over a foot up here. We had easy six seven inches. Like he was like, oh shit, whoops. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, yeah. Winter's gone. Yeah. Or winter's still here. Digging up manholes and like, I don't know, five feet of snow. You're just like, ah. Here's your breaker bar against the bank, trying to break up the snow bank. Brutal. Gay. Wish it was summer. (laughs) It's coming. It was, shoot, I was driving home, went and dropped the plow truck off. It was like 625 and the sun was just set. Like, it was, you know, no headlight driving, baby. It was almost 7 o'clock. This is sunset season, man. Mm-hmm. Time of uh, time of day where you can't drive between six and seven thirty. Yeah. <laughs> blinding, can't, can't drive west. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> driving up west till you come around the, the hairpin. <sighs> <you're just, sighs> yeah. 
there's that straight stretch out east and growing up driving down that certain times of the year you'd just be blinded the 15 mile drive just staring into the sun because mm-hmm. it's just like hovering above the horizon <laughs> it's right above your dash <laughs> yeah and right below the visor <laughs> sunglasses on just staring at the sun yeah just hoping you're still on the road <laughs> yeah no oh. But, yeah, so that's basically, we didn't want to go too crazy on the draw stuff. Just wanted to tease it a little bit and give a little bit of insight on how it works up here. I'm trying to think of, uh, oh, I did want to mention something. If you're an out-of-state individual and you're applying for tags up here, you can apply for everything except for three tags up here. And you can still apply for them. There's just some caveats to that. Uh, those three animals would be brown bear, sheep, and mountain goat. And that's because all three of those have to be guided if you're non-resident or fun loophole. Um, you can go with a second to kin. So anybody in your immediate family, brother, sister, mom, dad, um, as well as uncle, aunt, in-laws, uh, cousin, if pretty much if they're, if they're directly in your family tree, they've got all the relations listed on Alaska ADF and G. So you can check and see if you qualify for that, but you can apply for a party hunt effectively being guided by that individual who is an Alaska resident. So if Sean was, say, my stepbrother, he lived in Oklahoma, he wanted to do a brown bear hunt up here. If he didn't want to go guided, he could apply with me and you have to apply with that individual. They put in their, um, you know, identification number through their My Alaska account and whatnot. And then you put in your number and then it basically, the tag gets allocated to the res, you know, it gets drawn. If you draw, uh, you have to be accompanied in the field by that second to kin, but you can hunt those big three without any, uh, guide. So you can save, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 dollars. Uh, as long as you have a connection up here, who's related to you, um, you know, and it can be step siblings. It can be, you know, it, they're pretty lenient with it, which is awesome. You just have to make sure you're inside those guides. Uh, and if you don't have that privilege, but you still want one of those tags, all you have to do, this is kind of a bummer that you have to do this, but I understand why you do it. You have to agree and get a contract from the guide, uh, that you'll be going with. So basically you have to pick the guide service you want to use. They provide you with a number. You enter that number when you apply and when you draw the tag, it just it, it makes it to where they don't allocate tags to individuals that aren't going to follow through, mm-hmm. book with a outfitter, and that tag just doesn't get burnt. Because most of those coveted tags are only given out less than five, generally. Yep. A lot of time. But that's the only kind of uh, asterisk to our draw system. You know, non-residents, you can apply for everything outside of those three, unless you're guided or with next to kin. But still apply. They're fun. Plus... It funds good things, I think. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I hope so. I'm going to say it does. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're, it we're pays for play someone's the... job or, you know, some kind of research somewhere. Yeah. I'm going to say so. We'll, we'll be optimistic today. Good yeah. job, government. Thank you, government. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say government. <laughs> ADF and G. Thanks, Alaska. <laughs> It's the bee's knees. It really is. And the guys at ADFG are usually really cool. Yeah. They're also more than likely avid hunters. Mm-hmm. So. Or at least in the field. They're they're involved in the, in the Alaska outdoors, which is nice. And that's another big thing. A lot of people, you can do this in 
I'm sure every state. A lot of people don't. If you're planning a trip up here or if you're newer to hunting and you drew a tag and you have no fucking clue, clue what you're doing or where to start, call a biologist at Fish and Game and talk to them. They're more than willing to give you information, let you know, you know, kind of the general area animals hang out, this and that. You know, they're not going to go out and hold your hand in the field or nothing. But you can get a lot of information by talking to Fish and Game biologists or, you know, fishing game field workers, anything like that. And usually they're more than willing to chat with you on the phone about that stuff because, you know, they're invested in that resource. That resource is there for a reason and they're there to help, you know, make that resource stay around. So, um, but yeah, so if you drew a tag um, or if you're hoping to draw a tag or you draw a tag uh, this week, That'd be one of my first things I'd do. If you have no clue about the area you're hunting or the species you're hunting or anything like that, call up Fishing Game. Just chat yeah. with them. Or call us, and we'll bullshit to you. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'll tell you what I know. I ain't going to lie to you. Don't know a lot. <laughs> but I think that's about it that we're going to cover for the draw results. We're just excited. Wanted to give you all a little bit of insight and get you all excited for episode Friday because this is going to be a good one. All of y'all should listen Super to Super stoked. Because uh, it's going to be fun. We're going to turn it into a little game. Like I said, it's going to be most likely live streamed on Instagram over at average underscore Alaskan underscore podcast. Um, so go over there. Give that a follow. Uh, and while you're at it, uh, follow me and Sean at Michael underscore Swoboda and Sean underscore Louvre, L-U-V. And if you still can't reach us, email us at averagealaskanpodcast.com. Send us a voice memo. Exactly. I can't read. <laughs> <laughs> Please spell your name on the phone. <laughs> oh, but uh, we did want to cover a couple uh, other things that might be useful for you guys. Like we said earlier, it's kind of that dragon part of the for year. Sure. Um, Hardest part of being in Alaska is February. <laughs> yeah. So close to spring, but so far away. Yeah, it still snows. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> But we wanted to talk, since we are getting ready to plan some hunts, wanted to talk about different uh, different methods and means of filtering water while you're out in the backcountry. One of the most important skills, in my opinion, um, when you're in the woods anywhere, whether it's fishing, hunting, hiking, uh, surviving, <laughs> whatever it is, you got to drink. We all die if we don't drink water. Uh, some of you think you can get away with it because you just drink Pepsi or beer. Uh, there's still water in there. Coke so. <laughs> Exactly. You still need water. Um, but wanted to go over a couple different uh, methods and tips uh, for purifying your water, some of the methods we use, uh, potentially some of the methods we'll be using this upcoming fall and spring and then kind of what you shouldn't do. Good at that. I'm good at doing what I shouldn't do. So listen mm. to me on this one. Real good at it. Um, but I'm going to pass this one off to our in-house uh, water expert. I wouldn't say expert. Uh, he's like <laughs> I'm around the it. X of expert. <laughs> yeah, X. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, give us, list all the methods you know how to purify oh, water. Oh, man, in the there's a thousand. You could boil it. You know, that's <laughs> the <laughs> safest possible way to avoid anything is boiling it. I mean, that's what a lot of people do. Survival situations, blah, blah, blah. When uh, in doubt, boil the shit. Boil most it out. Time, most of the time, you're going to boil it anyways. Like if you You're going to boil it for coffee or... Coffee, mountain house. Yep. You don't boil your drinking water generally. So check that. That's the one that always hangs me. Because I'm, I'm going to be honest. There's times that I'm pretty lax with my water. 
As long as I know there's, you know, no beavers around, nothing like that. I'll I'll stick the Nalgene in the creek. I'll stick the Nalgene in the river. Mm-hmm. I'll stick it in a pond. I got balls. I'm a grown man. Uh, you be shaking I haven't, balls. Off. I haven't gotten gonorrhea yet. I, I mean, Giardia. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it's a serious thing. It really is. It's a serious thing. You can catch some serious diseases. There's lots of bacteria. Yada yada yada. You can. I mean, life-altering diseases you can catch from waterborne illnesses. Yeah. And so I mean, I Ain't know nobody want an amoeba. No, brain-eating amoeba. <laughs> I know some guys that just use iodine tablets, yep. and they're done. It's the same thing as using a SteriPen. Ultraviolet light kills, what is it? At least 23% of shit. Something like that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm sure still not completely sold on the whole ultraviolet light SteriPen because you're not always access to the freshest water. Because yep. all that, you know, that's going to kill, it's going to kill your bacteria, don't think it knocks out viruses. Um, I should have printed out a spreadsheet. I'm pretty sure I have a spreadsheet on the laptop with all oh, this yeah. shit. I don't uh, have a book with me. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't do anything to get the bullshit out of the water. So you if you're drinking out of teeth. an elk or moose wallow, that shit going to be gross. It's going to be clean to drink. It ain't going to taste good. Yeah. So uh, there's lots of different chemicals out there, but then your water is going to taste like chemicals, and not a lot of people love that. My big thing with the tablets, because I always keep some as emergency. As you should. Aquatash, but a lot of that. them take two-plus hours to activate and use, yeah. and at that point, I'm just going to boil a shit. I can build a fire, start a fire, and boil water faster than that shit's going to do it. Uh, but they're super handy. They weigh literally nothing you can fit a thousand of them in your bag and not even know where any of them are and always have them um then you have your general filters which yeah you got a lot of those are just membrane filters right all like membrane filters some of them like micro nano membranes things like that that truly gets out a vast majority of your stuff that's why you have to back flush them things like that for debris and things clogged that's what i've that's what I use mainly. Uh, I use a catadine gravity bag. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love it. It's been great. I've used it for several years now, and I still have the original filter on it. I think they're rated for, see, they're 1,000 or 10,000 liters. Uh, that's a big difference. Uh, had no whole zero there, so uh, don't quote me on those numbers. Um, but it's been dynamite. Back flush it every once in a while. Your flow rate will slow down over time because your filter's slowly Builds up crud, which is annoying, but it's good because that means it's doing its job. There is ways to clean them with different kinds of acids, and then you have to neutralize acids and wash them out and things like that. But we have the same technology here in Homer for our own drinking water for the whole city. It's just membrane technology. No, and it's super simple. I mean, what I like about the catadine, you just fill your bag up, which is the one I have, three-liter bag, fill that up. The filter's attached to the hose. You just screw it in, hang it upside down. I can have three liters and... Two and a half minutes, maybe. Like it, it's quick, gets the job done, and it filters most of the crud out. You know, it'll clean up the color of the water a little bit. Color doesn't matter. You're in the woods. Be a man. Drink some brown water. That's what it'd be. <laughs> like I'm sorry if that's that's your issue. Eh, you're gonna have issues. <laughs> but I've had super good luck with them. I haven't used any of the pumps. Um, they're the same system. I I've believe. Got the what is it? I think it's the Catadine Hiker Pro or something like that. And it's mm. a pump. No. And works great. 
I don't like it as much as I do like the gravity bag, though. My thing with the pumps that. is they're just bulky. You do get the benefit yeah. of you can stick it into a small water source and draw from it. But most water sources, even if it's small, you're still going to be able to get a gravity bag. Or, you know, you're going to be able to get your bag and scoop some of it out. Yeah. Or fill, an, fill another container. Fill, like, everybody's always like, well, you can just get certain water sources you can't. And I think that's just... A lot. <laughs> like I'm just going to be agree. I call bullshit. But if you if you're trying to fill a bag out of a puddle, yeah, or out of a small pond or something like that, it's kind of hard because you, you're going to agitate the bottom and then you're going to collect the bottom into the bag, and or you're scum never going to completely or, fill your bag. There's definitely benefits, but I just they're literally like three times the size, bulk, and weight. I just I don't know. I've never been sold on those. We used one. We used it in ADAC, which you don't really have to use in ADAC because there's nothing really out there. I'm going to Google this while you're talking, but I believe I was told this this fall. I don't remember who, but they were saying Caribou are one of the largest carriers of Giardia. They are. Okay. I believe. I'm going to look at that. But yeah, somebody told me that. I had no clue. Uh, Makes sense, but there's a shit ton of Caribou there. (laughs) There is a shit ton of Caribou. But in that same sense... Do I trust it 100%? No, because once you learn about waterborne illnesses and things like that, you don't forget it. You're like, ah, then you you really take where you get your water from seriously. Because if it's a moving stream and you go upstream and there's a dead caribou in the stream, that's your biggest worry in ADAC. But if it's a moving stream, you're usually pretty safe, all in all. I mean, a small pond, yeah, you know you're going to get put scum and crap and things like to live in warm water and yada, yada, yada. But here in Alaska, we have so we are water rich, 100%. There. If you can't find water up here, you're going to fucking die. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> because you're dumb. Because <laughs> it's everywhere. We have a lot of water. A lot of water. I mean, you can't, especially here on the peninsula, you can't go anywhere and not be soaking wet. Let alone find a water source. <laughs> yeah. You could be in the middle of muskeg and get water out of a muskeg. I've seen clear streams running through muskegs. Yep. So, and there's other, there's lots of other shit in a muskeg. And, you know, <laughs> shit and dead animals and it's a muskeg. Uh, it'll give you fucking bad butt acne, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Learn that from my <laughs> experience. <laughs> Whatever's in there ain't good for your butt cheeks, let me tell you. I can't imagine it being good for your insides. No. So... And, you know, you're not going to chlorinate water on the field or anything like that. So drink your water. Filter it. Drink it. There's a lot of filters out there that don't filter out, like, the chlorophyll and things like that, which gives it that green tint the best. Or, like, some little fine glacier silt doesn't get cleaned out the best. Yeah, that was, like, when I was in Cordova, all of our water, like, our main source was coming from the Rude River. Uh, which is a glacier-filled, silt-filled mm-hmm. river. And you try and avoid drawing from it when you can just because the silt clogs your filters super fast. Yep. But it's just a little dirt. You're going to be fine. You yep. know, try and find clear water where you can. But if you can't, you're going to be all right. People drink out of elk wallows. Like, yeah. you know, you're going you're gonna to be all right. You just have to know. You have to come prepared. Always, I always bring two filter source or technically three because i always have my cook system uh so i'm always able to boil water i always bring my gravity bag so i always have a membrane filter and then i always keep you know aquamere tabs you know it's just 
you have to have water to survive and you need to be able to have clean water. Cause the last thing you want is the shits on a 10 day backpack trip when you're day three and you ain't getting flown out for seven days and you're going to be pooping. I don't, <laughs> don't use the same jug you used to get the water to drink out of. Yeah. Have a clean bag and a Seen dirty bag. Seen people make that mistake over and over. Yeah. As you go to collect water and you pour it into your filter, you collect it with your Nalgene, you go pour it in your filter and then you filter back into your Nalgene. What the fuck? (laughs) You beat the whole point of using your filter. Yep. That was something that I was, I was never bad about, but I never, luckily, my water bag, it's always a dirty bag. It just, the way it's set up as well, so you don't have to have two bags. But it is something, yeah, a lot of people don't think about. And another one, this doesn't have to do with water, but same, on the same wavelength of getting sick out in the woods and stuff, not cleaning out whatever you're cooking in. You know, mm-hmm. if you've got, you're on a 10 day trip and you haven't washed out your freaking cup in seven days and you got seven days ago's breakfast that's been sitting in the sun for however, like it's just, you know, you're creating your own Petri dish. And that's another one that just uh, irks me. Plus just be a little cleaner. Like I'm not a, I'm not a clean freak. I'm not a weirdo, but like. Your oatmeal sticks to that shit. Put a little water in it. Stir it up with your finger. Drink some cold oatmeal water, and then your shit's clean. Like, when you when you have two utensils, take care of your two utensils. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the worst about doing dishes at home. One hundred percent. I am the worst person. When you have two utensils, <laughs> it's not that hard. Yeah, just clean them. And also, wash your hands every once in a while. Yeah, that's a big one. Y'all got some poopy fingers out there. When you go to eat and you've been doing shit and. It's going to go in your mouth. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not super, I, you know, I grew up eating a lot of dirt. Uh, my hands are always dirty, but you know, just rinse it off a little bit. Just even if you know that you didn't clean it, act like you cleaned it a little bit, splash some water, rub them together, do something. <laughs> Shout out to all the mechanics out there <laughs> <laughs> that eat the black part of the sandwich that's been touching their hands. <laughs> Facts. The, the, the white bread and uh, like a grease sandwich. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gross. Just wash your hands, man. Working in water and sewer, I've never washed my hands more in my life. Yep. 100%. There's most people out there. A lot of poopy around. <laughs> yeah, so you wash your hands before you eat. I sometimes wash my hands before, I use, before and after I use the restroom. Yeah. So that's how you know it's been a gross day is you wash your hands before you use the restroom. <laughs> <laughs> but. No, so like you said, you got a ton of different options out there. Make sure you've got a water source. Like we said up here, most of the time you don't have to worry about it all that much. There are some areas, especially in the high country, some sheep and goat area like terrain, where if there's no snow on the ground, if you're going on an August sheep hunt and it's hot and you're way up in the high country, you might not have water. And you need to know that going into any hunt you plan because that is something that will pull you out of the field early. Because you will get dehydrated, and you can die from that shit. Like, can and will. And that's the one thing, you know, we're very blessed with the amount of water we have here, but a lot of places aren't that way. A lot of western states, very dry. Especially in the recent, you know, five, ten years, tons of drought. You know, those elk or mule deer hunts up at 12, 13,000 foot of elevation, there's not a lot of water up there. And you need to be able to find water or at least know where water collects. Like you need to be able to understand under, you know, under the soil water. You know, you need to understand the water table, 
where your creeks and seeps are going to be and how to, you know, whether it's collecting dew in the morning, collecting rainwater, something like that. You have to have a plan for that going into your trip because that's the last thing. Like, we all take that shit for granted. Mm -hmm. You go home, you uh, put your cup under the fridge, it spits water out. You turn the tap, it spits water out. You've heard, you know, water seems to be everywhere. And we take that shit for granted. You get in the woods, you have to provide for yourself. And like we said, here, we're freaking, we're never going to, we're never going to die of dehydration where we hunt generally. But there's going to be times where you go places where it's tough. There, all your water might be frozen. You might have to melt snow. That's a lot harder than a lot of people realize. And slow doesn't melt down to a lot. No, because <laughs> I believe it's what one inch or one inch of water equals like 12 inches of snow, something like that. Something like that. So it takes a lot. And if you plan to just, if you just take a cup, pack it full of snow, put it on a heat source, you're going to burn it. Like if you don't, you, you can burn water. <laughs> you can burn snow. That shit. It doesn't taste good. No. And like, you know, tip for that. Add a little water, you know, have a little bit of water or melt a little bit of snow and then just slowly add it. But you've got to be prepared for that in all your hunts because it's something we all take for granted and you'll just get, you'll get caught slipping with something like that. And you're going to be really pissed off when your hunt of a lifetime comes short because you can't fill your Nalgene with water and you're stumbling around the mountain and then, you know, day without water, you're going to start getting dehydrated. You're going to start performing poorly. You're going to start not thinking the greatest. And then you make shitty choices. You make shitty decisions. That route you came up, you might go five feet astray off that same trail and you're in some fucked off country. Like, when we were pulling off the mountain on this goat hunt this fall, it was squirrely. To, I mean, each and every one of us of the four people of our hunting party all at least slid down the mountain at least once at a 15-foot increment where you were throwing your ice axe into the mountain trying to stop. And that's a squirrely situation to begin with. And then if you if we were in a tough spot, didn't have any water, I know how I perform dehydrated. I've been an athlete my whole life. That shit don't work good. <laughs> and you'll, if you mangle yourself in the backcountry, especially up here, like we're, you know, a plane flight away from any medical services. And if you're still 3,200 feet up the mountain with a broken pelvis, you're fucked. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's a Blackhawk coming out to hopefully find you. Like, you know, you're hosed. And so many people just, and we find we'll find water we'll find water i've said that before and we'll find water usually we do but that's because i know where we're hunting i know there's gonna be water but if you plan on going out of state or even coming up here like we just said there's water everywhere but it's not like that every part of alaska you've got to look into that stuff beforehand and that's you know that's what this time of the year is for there's no hunting going on for the most part it's usually cold and dark. You got nothing but planning to do. Go onto Google Earth. Go onto Onyx. Start looking at different topographic maps. Start looking at different satellite imagery. Trying to figure out where your greenest grass is. Because your greenest grass, it's green for a reason. And it's because it's got water. It might be from a little seep. It might be from a creek. It could be from a full lake. You never know. But looking for stuff like that. Or understanding, you know, where... Um, seeps or trickles might be and being able to dig them out get them to actually start producing water and then figuring out how to you know get that water into you know whatever you're using to filter water or 
cold water or, you know, anything like that. Like in Kodiak, uh, I was filling up. This was two years ago. I was hunting with Vinny. Plenty of water. You know, Kodiak, ton of water. It's a freaking rainforest. Um, heading up the mountain, needed to fill my bag. The only water I could find at the time was a really small trickle and no way to get my bag underneath it. But Jerry rigged a couple twigs and stuff, make a little waterfall. You can fill your stuff up, you know, use a nature Valley, you know, bar wrapper or something, something to make a little spout. You can get real creative, you know, stuff like being able to collect rain or do water like earlier, knowing how to set up your tent, having a low spot, be, you know, just small tricks that a lot of people know, but a lot of people have never had to ever think about that. And when you're put in that spot and you've got to find water, literally, you know, right now, you usually don't have the best creative thinking skills in the moment of, oh, shit, we don't have any water. It's, oh, when's the last time you drank? Oh, 12 hours ago, shit, we, we've got to find water. Well, now it's dark. Ah, shit, you know, and things snowball, compound, and get worse. So I'm a big believer of never leave a water source. If you're low on water, just fill it up. People be like, don't carry all that weight. Eh, do a couple extra squats. <laughs> like, if if 10 pounds of water is going to be the reason I can't make it up the mountain, that's on me. You always have water, always have food. I was rambling there for a little. I get freaking. Well I, no, I, I just, I hate stupid reasons to fuck things up. I haven't done that one yet, but I know it's going to happen sometime. My yep. dumbass is going to go do a friggin' high mountain Colorado hunt and just have no clue where to find water. Yes. <laughs> Can't breathe. Ain't no air. There ain't no water. No. Mm-hmm. So. Smith is down in Wyoming right now, and she was hiking around. And she's like, I am gasping for air. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, we live at like 100 feet sea level. Yeah. yeah we're not flatlanders, but we live a low yeah. <laughs> at sea level, yeah. you know. No, it's it's tough. Um, but these are all things you can practice in your backyard. Like if you've never done any of these tips, tricks, there's tons of resources out there. YouTube it, Google it, look up on Reddit, anything. You there's thousands and thousands of resources on how to obtain clean water and practice those things even if it's just at your house go scoop a cup of water out of your greasy pond in the backyard or something and just boil it on the stove and drink it just try and like acclimate your body to stuff like that just practice if you've never melted snow before take your jet boil take your uh you know your dragonfly take whatever cook system you use and go practice melting snow like it'll take you 30 minutes but you'll learn so much from it survival skills are irreplaceable exactly and you know this isn't just stuff for adventure or you know it's survival at the end of the day infrastructure goes down you need to know how to make some clean water stranded on your snow machine stranded somewhere say you took your e-bike out into the federal land somewhere and you died your your bike died well you're between a fucking rock and a hard place and you didn't back enough water for a seven day hike what are you gonna do you know you gotta be able to find those things you know and just getting proficient with those skills is crucially important and it takes time not me or you me and you neither of us are pros at any of this you know definitely not definitely better than a lot of people but you never know enough skills you need to practice with all different applications if you've only ever boiled water and that's how you do everything and you always do it with a canister stove practice doing some other stuff because 
what if your stove breaks? What if you run out of fuel? Stuff like that. You've got to know. Using those little solid fuel tabs to boil water. Mm-hmm. Know anything. Exactly. Or being able to find, like, a true freshwater spring. Like, at boys camp, we didn't treat any of our water. All of our water came from a freshwater spring we have nearby. And it's a creek that runs by. But you can see through the bottom. And you can see where the fresh water's percolating up through the, you know, through the silt and the sand, and you know it's going to be fairly fresh. You know, it's coming straight out of there. It's This creek doesn't have a lot of flow. It's easy to grow bacteria in there. It's got enough flow to move stuff through, but you can see that it's got eight spring sprouts, and you just dip it in the middle, try and keep the junk out of it. It's solid. We still boil most of it anyways because a lot of people, you know, we drink we drink a lot of water out there, but don't, you know, we don't treat any of it. But we know it's coming from a good source. Mm -hmm. And just being able to look for those. Even if you have all the water in the world while you're out hunting and stuff, look for those springs. Mark them because you know about them. The animals know about them. Other stuff knows. But, like, it's just good to, you know, grow that internal catalog of skills and information. And especially if you're going to hunt somewhere a ton, if you find a spring up at 12,000 feet, guess what? Jackpot. Now you don't have to carry any bullshit up there because you know that spring's going to be fed. And as long as you know, the water table's still stable and there's still been seasonal, you know, rainfall and stuff, odds are that spring's still going to be there and you can come back to it year after year. And guess what? The animals do the same shit. I was like, animals love water. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So you just, you know, you figure those things out, figure those skills out, makes you a better, you know, survival expert, if you will, or just a more competent human being, and it'll improve your success in the woods with stuff, you know? Water talk, man. Water's a beautiful thing. (laughs) No, it is. But, man, anything else you want to cover on that topic before we wrap that up? Trying to skim through it. We got what boiling membrane filters, UV filters, tablets. Yeah. Use sunlight. Those are, pretty much your, those are pretty much your big ones. And collecting like dew, humidity, if you have to desalinate water, blah blah blah, yeah. things like that. Solar, solar isn't it? Solar desalination where they get like the fucking pot. And you put the pot of water underneath there, and that's collecting. I have no fucking idea. I've never desalinated water before. I have, but it's only been through a filtration. A desalinator, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you pee in this jug, and you stick it under the. But I mean, no, I think you're right on that. I think you can, because you can use sunlight to purify water. Yeah. Um, I don't. I think you'd have to have to desalinate it. You'd have to evaporate the water into a different vessel, I believe, because all your salt's gonna leave behind. Like if you boil the pot of salt water until all the water evaporated, but you had like a catchment system for that steam that ran down into something else. I think that'd be an effective way to yeah. do it. But that's just my bro science. <laughs> science. Science. There's a thousand ways to do it as long as you do it well. Yeah. And, and you know, exactly. Start with one thing, get proficient with it. Like I'm proficient with my gravity bag, boiling water, and I wouldn't say proficient with tablets because I don't use them a ton. But I know how There's to use instructions them. on the back. Yeah, exactly. But just, you know, make sure you have, you know, a contingency plan with your water. Make sure you have two ways to clean water every time you go out in the field and know how to do those two things well. 
Anything past that is bonus, but make sure you got two solid methods. Don't go to the field using your your thing for the first time. No. No. <laughs> Anything. Sleep, exactly. A sleep system. Even if it's a tent, tent. You know, if you've slept in a tent a thousand nights, awesome. You get a new tent, set it up in the yard and sleep in it once. Figure it out. You yeah. got to figure your shit out. Because <laughs> if it's pissing rain, I mean, just absolutely sheets of rain coming down. If it takes you two hours to set up your tent. You're fucked. You're fucked. <laughs> I'd be so pissed off. Yeah. All caps fucked. <laughs> yeah. But if you could set up your tent up in a matter of minutes, dude, yeah. it could be anything. No, that's like me and you. We practice setting up that three-man MSR, mm-hmm. not because it's hard, but because we want to be good at it, and it's a two-wall tent, and you have to set it up separate to where if it takes us 15 minutes to get our shit together, we might have it all set up. Guess what? Rain plays not on inside soaked. And guess what? Now your dry home's a wet home. And yeah. <laughs> that means your dry sleeping bag, now wet sleeping bag. Your dry socks, wet socks. Like, <laughs> Slippery slope. <laughs> exactly. But So know what you're using out there. Be proficient with it. And don't be an idiot. Yeah. Water's wet. Yeah. Well, I think that's all we're going to cover on that. Uh, want to emphasize again to you guys, Friday, this Friday, this draws Friday. come out. We're doing an extra special episode for you guys, so please share it with a friend. Make your mom, make your dad watch it. Listen, it's going to be fun. We're going to be having a blast. It's, you know, we're going to make it somewhat informational. Not I'm really. Gonna be prob- drinking. <laughs> You're probably going to be, be drinking. drinking. <laughs> it's going to be a good time. We're going to have a lot of fun with it. Like I said, we're going to stream it as well. So if you want to tune in for that, that'd be super awesome. You guys will be listening to this Thursday which is tomorrow, and that special episode will be coming out Friday for you guys. Uh, so listen to this. Get excited for it. Set your notification for the podcast exactly. on Instagram. You'll know exactly what time we start. Exactly. You'll get a nice little notification. You'll get to join in. Some of the pre-recording fun, we get to answer some questions, have some fun with that. Um, so, yeah, just come enjoy it with us. Like I said, it's going to be an extra special episode. I believe Alaska is the first state uh to release its results every year or it's top five at least for uh draw results coming out so i know all of you non-resident uh listeners y'all have got some time to kill come celebrate with us because it's our year we're drawing some shit we're drawing some shit it's gonna be great and plus you'll get some insight on how the system works some of the tags you can draw and if you've never applied before never thought about applying it might be worth it it's cheap and they're the best hunting in the world there's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Alaska's the mecca, so you got to know about it. And if you ever have dreams of coming up here, there's only one way to start, and uh, it's a great way to do it. Don't let your dreams stay dreams. <laughs> just do it. Just do it. But it's going to be super awesome. We're super excited to put it on. It's going to be a different format than our normal episode. Uh, so I hope you guys like it. We're going to need a ton of feedback, uh, which you can leave over at Instagram or the email. Uh, once again, Instagram is average underscore Alaskan underscore podcast, Michael underscore Swoboda, and Sean underscore Louv, L-U-V. And emails average Alaskan podcast at yahoo.com. Um we're very punctual about getting back to you. And if we're not, uh, we're sorry. Uh, we usually are, but sometimes shit goes to spam. Sometimes, you know, I delete it with all the other chat girl five, seven, eight, uh, requests that you get on Instagram as well. You know, yeah, so, for sure. <laughs> so, I don't know any of these ladies. <laughs> right. You're a hot single in my area and I haven't seen you once. <laughs> you are not three miles away. This town is not that big. 
Oh, God. But no. So we're super excited. You should be too. Join us. Get hype. This Friday is going to be amazing. Other than that, uh, we've got some, you know, we've got some planning to do. We've got, you know, we're going to be planning our hunts. If we draw any awesome tags, we're going to be planning our hunts. If we don't draw awesome tags, uh, that's coming up soon. We're hoping to get out on the ice again here soon, bring you guys some more ice fishing content before the season ends. And four day weekend this weekend. Mm-hmm. President's mm-hmm. Day. Maybe got maybe. one day off. We might have to make some happen. Make something happen. But uh, any last words for the people, Sean? Any house <sighs> cleaning you need to you get know, done? Stay active. All reality, that's the best thing for you. Best thing for your health, stay active, stay moving. Good for the mind, good for the body. And it just makes you a better person. Go outside, breathe some fresh air. There's none of that, you know, none of that stress and bullshit of your normal life out there. It's you, the birds, the grizzly bears, you know, whatever, the beavers. It's nice. It, It, You know, it's the reason I do it mainly. It helps me reset myself. I love going out in the woods. I love just, you get a disconnect. You don't, you know... You don't have to worry about who the president is or the bills that are coming or anything like that because you just got to survive for a little bit. You just got to live. Do you stay up to date on current news, though? Some crazy shit going on out there. Yeah. Oh, fuck. <sighs> yeah, we don't have to talk about it. Yeah. We'll talk about it on Friday. Yeah. We might have to lead with some UFO talk. I wanted to. Oh, I was going to. Blue beam. Did you. Uh, did you hear about the explosion that happened earlier this week Which here? One? But it was all over Homer Communications. It was like out east, a big explosion, uh, lit up the sky, disappeared, and nobody knows what it is. Um, was it this week? I think so. It was like early this week. There was a, well, this wasn't this week. It might have been last week. There was a transformer blew up. Yeah, that's what I figured when people were talking about this one. I assumed it was a transformer, but you never know. I mean, I didn't think Optimus Prime came up this far. <laughs> Usually Optimus Prime, aliens thrive in Alaska. Optimus Prime, not so much. (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) But we even talk about Russians shooting down UFOs, the Alaskans shooting down UFOs. Have you seen pictures? I've seen pictures. Have you? Oh, yeah. I need to to see this. So before we get off, last thing, that whole Alaska UFO thing, hella sus. First thing, I heard about it on, uh, well, I'd heard about it on Facebook and shit, but I don't even, when I see that shit, I just keep scrolling. I'm I'm not taking that as a credible source. Kathy on Facebook, I'm not, sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Not listening to your bullshit. Um, But Breaking Points was covering it, and they just miscovered it because they were like, you know, something shot down, you know, uh, in the Aleutian chain. But they can't recover it because it landed on a, you know, an ice sheet or something like this. And immediately I was like, bullshit. There's not an ice pack in the Aleutians. Um, we've both been out there. We have friends out there right now in the Bering Sea. There's not an ice pack out there. But then I looked into it and they just fucked it. It was shot down over the North Slope. Yeah. That's and then I was like, okay, that makes North sense. Slope because of huge oil up there. Here's my uh, tinfoil oh, hat. Everybody, we can squeeze tinfoil the hats on. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a big, there was a fucking graph of all of them. And I was like, North Slope, U.S.'s primary fossil fuel resource. Mm-hmm. Um, Great Lakes, the U.S.'s largest freshwater source. Mm-hmm. Uh, Montana, 
one of the largest nuclear silo locations in the United States, mm-hmm. South Carolina. I don't fucking know. I think they got like Fort Bragg there. <laughs> but, uh, I, I don't know what's going on too far away. Yeah, I don't know what's going on in South Carolina. The balloon. Okay, you could shoot down a balloon and it just floats down to the ground. But I've seen videos of things that are on fire, smoking as it's getting shot down. Yeah. And you're like, and, that's not a balloon. Well, and the thing that was suspect to me because they shot down that balloon, had it out, pictures of it. That day, pulled it out of the bottom of the ocean. Mm-hmm. They shoot these other things. Like, we can't get to them. I'm like, bullshit. Dude. I know Blackhawk pilots in this state right now located probably at the closest base to access that. And I know for a goddamn fact they can get to it. <laughs> they shot one down in Montana. No reports on it. The governor comes out and he goes, well, we're assessing the situation. First off, he was denied, 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 <laughs> denied, denied. Then he came out and said, well, we're going to assess the situation. Nothing sense. And this plume of smoke coming down from the sky was shot down by a fucking fighter jet. Mm, sus. <laughs> There's a lot of fucking sussy stuff happened yeah. in the last two well, weeks. One got shot down in the Yukon in Canada. Yep. And the other one was shot down in the North Slope. Mm-hmm. They're going to recover the one in Canada. And supposedly they said they can't recover the one on the North Slope. It's an ice sheet that's like how many feet thick. They probably got that shit done. Yeah. It's definitely recovered by now. <laughs> Had to. But we don't want to talk about it. Mm-mm. Oh, off topic. All the train derailments that have happened lately. Do we just not report on them normally and we're getting a lot of them now or within a week? Yeah. The last month's been squirrely Looney Tunes, dude. Yeah. I was thinking about that last night because I was like, I don't let that shit stress me out because I'm like, I can't control any of it. Yeah. But then I like Glad a little bit rounds. of me. I was like, but what if some like real cr- like because nobody talks about it, but like. If there are aliens and they did want to fuck with us, that would fuck up so much shit. And I just like, I was sitting in in bed trying to sleep and just going down a mind spiral of like, what would I do right now? Because I was like, immediately grab all the ammo for two weapons, grab two weapons, because you can only really take what you can carry. Where are you going to go? Where the fuck are you going to go? We don't know anything about them. We don't, they could have laser beams that blow through our fucking... Houses. They for sure got infrared vision. For sure. Guaranteed. I mean, I've seen Predator. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> oh. So, uh, it's, uh, who knows? Oh, I've got some... Uh, do we, we want to go down this? We yeah. have our tinfoil hats on. Are you about to bring up Nord Stream? No, but I sent you that link. <laughs> yeah. They're coming out with more information, oh, more okay. dossiers about it. Oh, I don't... Well, and when you sent me that link, it was funny because I'd been... I'd been staying up on that quite a bit after it blew up and kind of went down a couple rabbit holes. And I was immediately, I was like, we for sure did this shit. 100%. But then I just, I was like, we, I, we always do this shit. Ain't nobody can cover it. And then it finally kind of resurfaced and everybody's like, no, Joe Biden's too incompetent to pull that off. I was like, motherfucker. Yeah. He didn't pull it off. Yeah. <laughs> that was a, a CIA op that they tried to cover as a NATO military training well because there what there was a nato military uh-huh. training uh-huh. and there's some black ops stuff i'm just saying it'd we be totally really blew easy it up 100 <laughs> percent. they came out with leaked information about it oh yeah and then we they were like mm, deny 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 you can't deny leaked information we blew that bitch up for sure how else does it blow up <laughs> let's be honest and they kept saying over and over and over if they invade ukraine Nord Stream 2 will, will not, not go happen. Through. Yep. Sus, maybe. 
but we also just hosed all of Eastern Europe, hosed all of Europe economically <laughs> by blowing that up. Yeah. I mean, we did... Well, and because neither party has any interest in doing that. Russia literally surprised almost all the natural gas to Europe. Germany, 100% relying on that shit. They didn't blow it up. Russia didn't blow it up. Who leaves that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot of other countries out there, but I know freaking... <laughs> a lot of co- it wasn't egypt <laughs> it wasn't niger and it was <laughs> the, the the most people affected by it were the people of europe economically their prices have gone up dramatically oh yeah they're like what are we gonna buy food or heating oil or you know natural gas to heat our houses no so yeah a little sus. for sure so and supposedly there's more document documents coming out about it so we'll see. I think we'll probably we might just have to lead Friday's episode with some tinfoil hat, get it started, have a couple drinks. Man, I don't some- want people to think I'm crazy, but I, I love tinfoil hat <laughs> shit. Oh, dude. Well, that's one of those things. People, what I hate is people won't even let you talk about it. It's like we ain't serious about half this shit. Yeah, but it sure is fun to talk about. Dude, all conspiracies <laughs> have a hint of truth. All Otherwise, they wouldn't be conspiracies. No. Put that in your mind. We definitely whack JFK. Guaranteed. Yo, one hundred percent. We, we admitted to it. All the documents came out. We just don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, oh, it's way long ago. Those were old people. Bah. <laughs> exactly. We don't. Uh, 24-hour news cycle. It's tough. Yeah, they don't give a shit. What about the train derailment in Ohio that's letting off this horrible fucking polychloride? Yep. Dude, that's some serious shit killing livestock and fish, and it's 100% in the water. I'm going to tell you that right <laughs> now, 100%. But when I saw that, I was like, it's in the water. A <laughs> 1,000%. For people to, that are listening, PFAS, real thing, uh, it's polyalkali something or another, they're forever chemicals. That's what they are. They are artificially made, man-made forever chemicals. Yep. That's what you hear about in waterways, and that's why they got rid of AFFF, or minimize the use of it. It's the firefighting, aqueous firefighting foam. Mm, yep, yep, aqueous yep. film-forming firefighting foam, something like that. And that's the reason, because it was giving people horrible cancer and horrible degenerative bone disease and things like that. You had all these firefighters just coming down with horrible tumors and things like that. Horrible. It's in the water. Even if you sprayed it at the airport for training, it's in the groundwater there. And it's not going away. And that's a huge, it's on the huge front of the water world. And it's kind of on the hush-hush. Because what are you going to do about it? I saw that chemical spill happen. And the big fire, and I was like, it's for sure in the water. Oh, yeah. For sure. Well, I was listening to CounterPoints uh, today, which if you guys follow the news at all or don't follow the news but want a trusted source, look up Breaking Points. Uh, it's an independent media source. You can find them on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that shit. Um, but they've got a new segment called CounterPoints, two other hosts that do it. I was listening to it today, and they had uh, an expert on um, talking about the de- uh, train derailment, and because they were like, "Well, we're burning off the chemicals, like you know, it's gonna be fine." Blah 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 blah. And the expert, he was a, uh, he basically went to school for mechanical engineering, studies a bunch of these. Uh, uh, we lit that bitch on fire. Accidents. Oh yeah. Well, they. They did They're it like, as a control burn, yeah, because they didn't want to seep it out. But he's also he has a he has like a master's in or doctorate in mechanical engineering, and he also has a chemistry degree. And he was like, "What they're not telling you is 
when you burn that chemical, it I forgot the actual acid compound that it releases, but it's basically the byproducts in acid. And, you know, it's gonna, it goes up into the atmosphere, goes into the clouds. That's how you get a... Mm-hmm, and then guess what? Now that's in the water. Now you got... It's just like, mm, there's a lot of fucking bullshit happening in the world, dog. <laughs> on a spill like that, you totally could have excavated the ground, you know, done work instead of lighting it on fire. <laughs> burn it. Fuck it. Fuck it. Burn it. Burn it down. <laughs> there was another derailment in Austin. Houston. And Houston, that's yep. where it was. H-Town. Dude, there's a lot of stuff happening. <clears throat> and they've talked about, you know, how they tried to kibosh the union forming and... The union's like, well, we got this hazardous, we're hauling hazardous material, it's not marked hazardous, and things like that. They're overworked, they don't get sick days. They had another person on at the end who was uh, part of the, he was the legislative speaker for the uh, rail union. He was like their spokesman dude, and he was talking about it, he was like, fuck, we didn't have sick days till two days ago. We just got that shit passed, we can't get anything passed. He was like... We saw that shit come. They said, he said, I think their protocol is you're allowed 90 seconds per rail car inspection. Like, that's their, like, timeline. They have to crunch that shit out. 90 seconds? That motherfucker's 60 foot long. You can't walk the perimeter of that in 90 seconds. Nonetheless, inspect the son of a bitch. And all somebody has to do, put a log on the fucking railroad. All you have to do is put a, a, like, a big rock. Yeah. <laughs> a pickup. Park your pickup on the rail. Oh. Crazy. Crazy, dude. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, you got an early morning. We went a little long for you guys. Oh, we had to add a little a little fun there. We didn't at the even end. get to the crazy shit. I know. We're probably gonna leave Friday's episode with some fun topic. We're gonna get some liquor in our system and maybe talk some fucking aliens. Project and- Blue Beam. Mm-hmm. Have you heard about it? Nope, but uh, I'm about to about to fucking blow your mind. <laughs> I'm about to get learnt. <laughs> yeah. It's time to do some serious reading. Oh. But that's just another reason, guys. Tune in Friday. It's gonna be kick ass. I promise you, you guys will enjoy it. It'll be worth your time. Arians. Arians. Arians and hunting tags. It's going to be great. <laughs> Stoked. Oh, well, you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Enjoy life. Enjoy the outdoors. Enjoy friends. Enjoy family. All those great things. Life's too short. The aliens could show up tomorrow. Enjoy it. Don't stress. Don't stress so much. Life will be okay. Give us the final goodbye, Shanzo. See ya!